you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Coming up on Total Access, the locker room. I did know that you used to wet yourself before yeah. games coming into, into our huddle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to. Deal, I, yeah, I used to piss my pants in every game. Yeah. I was just Come like. On. Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson. And as always, joined by former head coach Brian Billick. Coach, what's going down? Doing great today. We're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. Today, we're talking to not one, but two Denver Broncos legends, our very own Hall of Fame running back, Terrell Davis, and one of the men who got him into the hall, offensive guard Mark Stink Schlereff. And guys, you guys are not going to believe the back and forth between these guys. It seems like they just were in the locker room together just last week, Coach. Yeah, and hearing where the name Stink came from alone is worth listening to the podcast. <laughs> Here they are, Denver Broncos teammates. Who was it, guys? 1995 to 2000? I don't want to tell you what I was doing in 1995. I was in what? The seventh grade. It's all good. Huh? We got you don't want to know what I was doing in 95. I was like 60 years old then. But, uh, no. Terrell Davis and Mark Stink Schler. First of all, Mark Stink, bro. Where the hell does that come from, bro? I've been hearing everybody call you Stink for years. <laughs> yeah, you know, it. it there was, well, there's the truth and there's the good story, which yeah. also happens to be true. But <laughs> it, it actually, you know, it actually comes from my sister. She taught uh, at an Eskimo village in uh, Akiachuk, Alaska. What? Uh, yeah, Akiachuk, Alaska. Say that three times really fast. <laughs> it, was, it was located on the Kuskokwim River. And okay. the very first run of salmon, um, the, the people, the villagers, would catch the salmon. They dipped at them cut the heads of the salmon off. Then they would bury them in a pit and they would okay. dig them up weeks later and they would call them, they called them stink heads. And so they would eat these rotten fish. And my sister would be like, we would, I'd be teaching class. She was a school teacher. And she'd be like, I'd be like, let me help you with your math problem. You know? And she'd pull her <laughs> shirt up over her face because it just, it permeates your skin. You know, it's just rotten fish. Uh -huh. So I'm telling this story to a, a couple of guys because I had just talked to her when I was in my first training camp in Washington, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and instantly became Stinkhead. <laughs> and so that's what they called. They called me Stinkhead. And then fast forward to the next year, I'm the youngest starter, because I started as a rookie. So I was the youngest starter for, for the, the Hogs. And um, so I'm the first guy up in case anybody gets hurt. And I'm backing up. I'm starting at right guard, but I'm backing up center and left guard as well. Uh -huh. And sure enough, um, it's like fourth quarter and man, I got to pee. So I just, <laughs> I mean, I empty my bladder on the bench. Oh. It's draining off. It's draining off the bench. <laughs> and, and I'm laughing. I just think it's hilarious. Right. And all the other guys are like, dude, you're, you're rancid. You're sick. And I think it's funny. I'm howling, laughing. And instantly, like literally I just get done shaking it off. You know, I'm sitting on the bench. Yeah. I just get done shaking. <laughs> and they call me and they're like, Hey man, we think they're like, we need you. You're, you're, you're the center went down. Oh so I run, to, I run to this. Uh, this is a true story. I run to the sideline. Oh, Stan Humphreys, 
And Stan Humphreys goes, hey, let's get a, uh, let, you know, let me get a practice snap, right? And you know how the quarterback, he didn't go right in, right? Yeah. Brian, you know, right. the quarterback, he, he does a little foreplay on the side of your butt, yeah, right? Yeah. You one hand on your back <laughs> and one hand on your butt cheek, right? Yeah. And, and so it's like a little floor play. You see, he just lets you know. And then he starts his cadence, blue 80, blue 80. And he gets his hands in. He goes, and I snapped the ball. And it literally oh. splashed down, right? Oh, and, my and, goodness. And so Stan is like, oh, he's got, like, oh. he's got, it's in my eyes. He goes, give me a towel. He's really wet with sweat. And, he and I'm like, I'm like, it's not, you know, it's not sweat, baby. And, and all the, all the hogs are how they're on the side. They can't help. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're dying laughing. And so um, from that point forward, it just stuck. I was stink from that point forward. Oh, it's not like to me you would stink before you actually stunk on, <laughs> yeah. the, on the sideline. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, you know, that's that's how it stuck. And I have, yeah. that's how stink stuck, if you will. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't okay. know that story, man. That, that that's a great story. But I did know that you used to wet yourself before yeah. games coming into, into our huddle. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I used to I, yeah, I used to piss my pants in every game. Yeah. I was just Come like on. Stink. Oh, come on, dude. I had 29 surgeries field, while bro. I was playing. I was miserable. Like, I was like if I got to go, just let it go right there. How do you get oh, out of that yeah. habit? You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, obviously, no, once, you, once you get the habit, you just, you just, you just roll with it. It okay. works. All right. All right. Look, that, you know what, uh, Stink? That's going to be your locker room story. That seemed like <laughs> okay, to me, that's a good. great locker room story. You right. should have done. All right, TD. Locker room story for you. We start every podcast with a locker story. room story. Okay, we, we got to get one from the Hall of Fame. It's going to be tough oh, to beat them. Man, that, that's going to be a tough be. one to follow. A locker room story. Yeah, man. Wow, and Rob, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, give me give me a category. Like, put me somewhere where I can you can draw the memory. Oh, uh, well, how right. about this? Something that you can't tell on TV on Total no, Access. I, well, right? I would preferably <laughs> about Mark. Okay, how about that? That's all the direction you need, TD. Well, listen, this is not this is not this is not news, but you know, stinking in the entire offensive line. They didn't say anything. Like our whole line. Were bound by oh, this, right. this secret, this this secret society. Like they didn't right. say anything. They didn't talk to the media. To media. Um, barely talked to us as players. <laughs> but what? I mean, as you can see, you know, most of our linemen have this thing leading the charge. Man, they have great personalities, and they can they can hold their own. We're talking, but yeah, there was this thing that they had. They wouldn't say anything. They wouldn't talk. But yeah, I, mean, I don't have any. I mean, I guess my locker room story would be something of a, with with training camp. You know, my first training yeah. camp, and kind of, uh, you know, uh, Club Shay Shay, which Shannon Sharp had this little club they would have. They called this, you know, it was like the, the fifth or sixth floor in our dorm room. We were at the University of Northern Colorado. And it was the boom room room. It was the room, you know, the boom room room, right? And Robert's room yeah, where, yeah. you know, it was a little little dice going on, a little gambling, all that stuff would, would happen in that room. And uh, as a rookie, you know, we, we couldn't go in there. We were forbidden to go in that room because that was not for us. That was for the veterans. And uh, one time I snuck into the boom boom room. Me and my my uh, my buddy BC snuck into the boom boom room, and they found they they caught me in the boom boom room. And what they did was that that morning, as punishment, they broke into our room and they came in our room with a with these big old fire hydrants. You know the the <laughs> the stuff they spray you with. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, j just hit us up that the next morning because oh, because we were not you know we weren't supposed to be in the boom boom room. Uh, oh, let's oh, go so TD, they let you hang out, let you have oh, a good time, yeah, really. let you go back, then got you the next morning. That's cold, yeah, I, man. I, I mean, I kind of snuck in. I kind of snuck in. I had to see what the, <laughs> what the hype was all about. But that was the last me, time I had gone to Club Shake Shakes. Yeah, let me just tell you why TD didn't have any 
uh, locker room stories because TD was asleep in the training room. Like TD, TD would show up to meetings, do his work, and then like his his hobby was taking naps. My boy TD would be crawled up in the corner, and usually it's the rookies. You know, I remember when uh, John Mobley came in, you'd see him sleeping in his locker room at about week nine. But TD slept the whole time. I mean, TD was just like, mm-hmm. man, wait a minute. And that time, I'm going to take a nap. Then I'm going to go out and practice. I'll practice better than anybody else. But then I'll come back, take a nap before my afternoon meeting. Like, this dude was like, it was like, yeah. hey, man, yeah. just put a blanket in the corner and let TD sleep. <laughs> it, it, and stink. I don't know if you know this, but every game, you know, we go out for the pregame warm-ups, and then we come back into the locker room. That 10 to 15 minute time we had. No way, that, bro. That was some of the best sleep I've ever had. That's, oh, that's when I would get, that's when I would shut things down, turn off the mental computer, be able to just listen to some R&B, shut it down, and then I get the tap on the knee. Let's go to work, guys. Yeah. And I, that was it. Meanwhile, I, I had to feel like I had, I had to, I felt like I always had to have every ounce of energy to go out there on that field. Cause I was going to give it all I had. And, and I wanted to make sure that my tank was full when I went out there. And uh, that was my formula, man. I just, I love to take naps. I like Who, to sleep. Who's meanwhile, my, hey, wait a minute. Meanwhile, my, you up. It'd, it'd be like the running backs coach, Bobby Turner. Yeah. He, Mean, yeah Bob, hey, Bob TD, meanwhile, my formula was not every ounce of energy. My formula was to lose every ounce of food in the trash can <laughs> before <laughs> I went before. Yeah. Before I went out, because in the offensive line, like nothing good can happen to you when you're an offensive lineman, right? You guys can have, I mean, you can block for TD can rush for 250 yards. The backup can run for a hundred yards. And at the end of the day, you're a throwaway line at the, you know, in a press conference, Hey, you got to thank the big fellas up front. Uh, now let's talk about me and the day I had. Right. And so for us, like the only time you ever get mentioned is holding 69, you know, what a slub yeah. that guy is type thing. <laughs> and as soon as one guy, we had a bunch of pukers on the offensive line, myself, Tommy <laughs> Nalen, Matt Lepsis. And so it was like a chain reaction. We had a trash, we had a trash can right in the corner where we all sat. And as soon as one guy got up to vomit, it was like a lineup of dudes just vomiting the trash can before we went out to take the field what? every, every single Sunday. I, there's not a game I played in that I didn't puke before I played. TD, you got it wrong. You got it wrong that these guys stayed to themselves and were quiet. Nobody wanted to go near these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, puking in the pee, and I would, I would put them in another locker room. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know anything about them puking. I knew Stick would do it, you know, in terms of using a bathroom on the field. But that was that was the only information I had about it. I didn't care about them. I just told them get out of my way. Just get out of my way. You know, clear the holes. Get out of my way. Don't don't let me put the Rydell in the back of the small lead back. Just do your job. Uh, <laughs> now running backs. I'm sorry. Run, running backs are supposed to take care of their offensive linemen with all the oh, yeah. you have and whatever. So I'm going to let you. You. I want what. What's the best thing you gave your offensive lineman? And I want to hear from Mark. What's the best thing you think you got from TD from Uh-oh. breaking this record or that record or whatever? Like dinner or a watch or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it was the best, but it was the most expensive. Was buying them Rolex watches. I mean, that oh, was yeah. that was not that was not cheap. Um, yeah. So I got, I got the whole line off uh, the whole offensive line watches. I even got, gave the receivers rod. Smith, Ed McCaffrey, Shannon Sharp. I gave the whole offense watches, man, because our run game is uh, was just. I mean, the line did a great job, but it, it required everybody to to buy into the run game. And the reason why we had so much success was because our receivers blocked their butts off. You know, what they weren't in receivers uh, drills or watching 
you know, uh, wide receiver tape or pe- the passing game when we installed offensive uh, running games. They were always in the same room with us. And, and Alex Gibbs was the offensive line coach, demanded that everybody participate in the running game. Even Elway had to play his part uh, with carrying out fakes and doing things. And a few times what shocked me was John getting called out in front of the whole team with, you know, from Alex Gibbs. And as a, uh, as a rookie seeing that, I think the respect level for Alex Gibbs certainly went through the roof. Cause I'm like, man, if he can call number seven out for not carrying out a fake, I hated going in. And you know, this uh, coach Billy, Going in Thursdays when we have uh, or Fridays after we watch our nine on seven sessions was not fun. Oh, yeah. that, you did not want to be that one to get called out Friday morning watching that tape. And that's what I feared most. And so for me, I, I didn't want to get called out. So I tried to go through nine on seven the best I could and, and not be that person, not be that guy. And uh, I would sleep very well Thursday night knowing that I was going to be called out Friday morning. <laughs> If I did a good job, that's a good deal, so, man. Yes, yeah, I mean it seems so small, Rob, but it was it was major, man. I didn't want to be called out. Oh, it was it was. I mean, it was comic <laughs> relief, and unless you were the guy, and because right. if you were the guy, and Alex Gibbs is ruthless, just absolutely mm. ruthless, and like TD said, it didn't matter who you are. Uh, he was ruthless. Yeah, the, the best gift was TD. I mean, TD got us golf clubs. TD took care of us. TD got us the Rolex watches, which I, obviously I still have. Um, very, very special to me. But um, we used to always sit every Monday when we'd watch the film together as an offensive line. And we would marvel because it was always one of those things like the, the rook. We just called him the rook. He was the rook my whole six years playing with him. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> and and it, it was it never, that's who he was. And we're like, Man, the rook makes up for a multitude of sins. I just like if I could just get a fingertip on this dude, just a fingertip, he's gonna make me look decent. So yeah. uh we always joked around, you know, the year that that TD got hurt, um, that Lepsis blew out his knee. Sorry, Matt. Um, that oh, uh no. yeah, <laughs> that that year, like oh. Gary came in and did a phenomenal job, but yeah. had 1,200 yards. We were like uh, TD would have had 1,700, and then Mike Anderson came in and got 1,400 the next year. We go TD would have had another 2000 yard season. I mean, it was just, there was just a different level of understanding. And I think one of the things that just blows me away about football and, and, and Michael, like what you did, I, I think it's to have a fullback and to be able to read blocking schemes and understand blocking schemes when oftentimes if you're in near, or you're in far, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're a yard or two closer to the line of scrimmage. You've got to be able to read that stuff. And then faster, man. Right. And then the, the press and just the understanding of where to go, when to cut it back and, and just to be able to read and know what we're supposed to be doing up front so that you can um, do your job. I think that's one of the most phenomenal things about TD. He just was great at kind of understanding all 11 and what all 11 were doing um, so that he could have that success. So it was just a pleasure, you know, to be able to be in front of him for, you know, those six years. Well, guys, I gotta, so, so, so I want to from Mark's standpoint in terms of like a 2000 yard season, because people always ask for this, like right. when, when did you know, or when did you start thinking about 2000 yards? He's behind Elway by himself. He takes the handoff running left Terrell. Breaks a tackle. He's got it. There it is. Terrell Davis. He's just become only the fourth player in NFL history to go over 2,000 yards in a single season. And I know for me, going through that whole season, I, I, and people talk about the one game at a time mentality. And it was true. Like, I never thought about the whole season. I, only, I really did think about each game and trying to 
obviously, you know, be the best I could be during that game, but also thought about longevity in terms of being available in the playoffs. So there was a few games that season where I got pulled in, in the first half. And I remember Mike Shanahan coming over to me, asking me, Hey, you know, we're beating the Eagles by what, 20 points or something like that. And I got 160 something yards in the first half. He's like, do you want to play in the second half? I was like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm cool. I don't want to play. Uh, same thing with the Cowboys. So I'm wondering from Stink, like, when did you start to feel like we got a chance to do it? And I remember your comment you made during uh, one of these, I think, America's game. Yeah. I got hurt. I got hurt at the end. And you said, I don't give a damn if TV's hurt. He's asked to get 2,000 yards. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to understand. I think after you went over 1,000, like week seven, you know, halfway through the season, you had a thousand yards and that's when it became kind of reality for us up front that, you know, we could, we could be blocking for a 2000 yard rusher. And I think you have to understand from our perspective, you know, playing offensive line, it's all about being unselfish and, and sacrificing um, so that the team can have success. Um, but you take pride, you take pride in somebody else having that success and being a part of that. So it becomes very important to us as a, as a group up front to be able to do that for the guy that's running behind us. So it was a real, it became a really big thing going to that Seattle game where we needed a like 177 yards. It was like, I, I give a if your ribs are hurt, I don't care. You're getting 177, like will come hell or high water. And it was so cool. Cause we had a dude, I, I can't, I don't know if it was Bill Harple. I'm not sure who it was, but kept a tally, like a grease board tally on the sideline. And like, as we started oh, really? getting through the first, Oh yeah. As we started getting for the first quarter, the second quarter, we're yelling. We were like yelling, like, like every time you ran one, you're Where sauntering we? back to the huddle. We're like, how many does he need? <laughs> <laughs> so we're us as an offensive lineman, we're shouting over to the sideline going, what does he need? What does he need? Like we're, we're keeping a tally in our heads to see where you are and, and like when we're going to get you there. And I probably, when you broke the, when you broke the 2000, I probably should have been called for holding um, on Cortez Kennedy because he did a hard, a hard outside stunt, and I'm just holding on to Cortez like, come here, you son of a guy. Like, uh, so I probably should have been called for holding, but you know what? They had mercy on me that day, and yes, um, and it and it didn't happen. So that that's a good thing. It was meant to happen, guys. And, and I, it's a treat to have both of you guys on here. TD, we talk about this sometimes when we were out, and it wasn't a pandemic world, and we were out. In LA and talking and things, but it's a definite treat to, to have the running type of the, the type of running scheme that you guys had. Yeah. Like I ran it in Seattle. What, what was it? 20 some years later, 30 some years later. You know what I'm saying? It's still a scheme that that zone scheme and, 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 and that everybody, all the offensive linemen moving together. It's still in the national football league. Did you guys know that you guys were in a special system at the time? And TD, I'll start this one off with you. Uh, did you know you were in a, in a special system while you were, again, you talked about being hurt and then the next back came in and at least got a thousand. Now I don't think guys could get 2000. I think well, I, I think TD is the only guy that could have got 2000 out of that. But did you know you was doing something special? You know, it evolved. You know, my rookie year, we didn't run the zone scheme. We ran the true West Coast offense where I was playing fullback and halfback. We were running, running powers, dives, whams, all these inside traps and stuff. And that, and I was running from the three point stands the entire season. Yeah. 
it evolved to where year two, where they put me back deeper in the I formation, which cleared the vision up. It gives you a lot more, you can see more from back there. And then when you when you talk about like the zone team, we weren't a hundred percent zone. We ran everything right there. We ran counters, we ran little man, little gap, we built everything. But from from a running back standpoint, it just to me it allows you more options. You know, if you're running 18 handoff and the, the ball's designed to go to the right side, I've got front side, you know, D gap, C gap, B gap, oh. A gap. I can go backside, A, B, C, I can go anywhere. And so it gives you some creative, I think, creativity from a back standpoint to be able to set up linebackers, to be able to work with your line and understand, okay, we got guys who are hard floors. All right, I'm going to make them think we're going outside, and then I'm going to break it back inside. So I, I think there's a lot to it. It's not just you set up and it's, and it's successful. Mm-hmm. We see some teams who run it, they don't have success. Do it. We just, we were, it, it was a religion for us, though, to run a football. And everybody, like I talked to, said before, that every single person that was in the, on that team on offense had to participate and contribute to the running game. And then, you know, when you have guys up there like Stink and you got Big Zim and you got Tony Jones and Tom Nalen, you got guys who are just maulers up there. We had an, a, a great offensive line. We had great pieces around it. And no, at the time, we, I just thought that, hey, man, we got a lot of, a lot of uh, <laughs> underdog cats, cats who were you know, first-round picks, a lot of just, you know, hus- I mean, just some grinders, man. And yeah. We just, we just just try to make the best out of it, man. I, I think coaching had a lot to do with it too, man. I mean, Mike Shanahan's system, not only just like the play calling system, but the way he took care of us as far as our bodies, you know, we didn't hit a lot. It was all about speed. It was about execution. It was about just being accountable. We, we used to have this silly day on Friday where we call it hat day, where if we won a game on Sunday, we didn't have to wear a helmet on, on Friday. And, Billy, you know this, but you'd be surprised if you get you nigga a little bit of bone over somebody's head yep. about not wearing a helmet on a Friday. How <laughs> motivated we were on Sundays! Yes, <laughs> it was incredible, man. It was we, we we had fun. We had a three year span that was pretty impressive, man. From ninety, you know, ninety six to ninety eight was um, an impressive run for the Broncos. Two Super Bowls, so yeah, it, it was a great time. Stink, what about you, brother? For me, it's it's running the ball is a skill, and. Um, It's like anything else. You know, I always joke around. I mean, I've seen corners transition to safety, safety transition to outside linebacker, outside linebacker to inside linebacker, inside linebacker, DN, DN to D-tackle, D-tackle to offensive lineman. The transition from offensive lineman is fan. Like that, you go from O-line to fan. You can't go anywhere else. You you are the last rung on the ladder. And so, um, you know, there's no, uh, Russ Grimm said this, and I've always adhered to it, but a Hall of Famer Russ Grimm, who was a mentor of mine when I came in the league, said there's no greater skill than moving a man from point A to point B against his will. It's the greatest skill there is. And so that is a skill, and it, it always drives me crazy, especially in today's game, Brian, because it's funny how a two-yard gain, a coach will be like, oh, we can't run the ball. We only got two yards on it. Ah, forget but they'll throw an incomplete right and left. Like they'll throw seven incompletes in a row. Be like, no, we got to still run. You know, we got to still throw the ball. I, and I, I guess it's, you know, they, they, they'd rather bet a hundred or, or 70 on red than five on black, you know? And I'm just like, I, you know, it, it sets everything up you guys. And it takes a lot of pressure off of us and our job is pretty hard. So um, we were very thankful to, to have the mentality of, a coaching staff that said, we are going to run the style of the ball. We're going to shorten your neck. And um, you may think we're, you know, you may think we're a finesse team at the end of the day, you're going to be in the locker room, licking your wounds and and we're going to have another victory. And that was always the mentality that we had. Um, And we took a lot of pride in it up front. 
the fact that you guys are so still in tune to the game because of what you're doing, you got to look at it with a little bit of, of uh, envy or wishing, boy, I wish we could, because I've always said with the game getting smaller defensively, you know, you were in base defense. Now in the old days, it was 66, 60% base, 40% nickel and it flipped 40% base, 60% nickel. I've got defensive quarters telling, telling me that they're in base de- defense less than 15 to, you know, 20% of the time. The idea of getting big offensively and let's just run those little guys over. That's that, that, that would have to be fun for you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Without question. You know, it's funny when you see, a team that's built like the 49ers, you know, that can get into 22 personnel um, and, and they can spread out of that if they want to, if you choose to, to play them in big, but if you choose to play them in little, they're just going to run it down your throat. And so to watch, you know, to watch teams kind of manipulate that and dictate offensively to a defense and be able to get those matchups, those advantages, those size advantages um, is a lot of fun, but yeah, I would love to, to play today and face those smaller defenses, face the little guys, because we always had such a great plan to run at nickel. Third down and four was duality for us. I mean, you had a, you better be able to defend the run and third down and four because we'll cram it down your throat. Which is rare. So rare. Right. And, and it was does. just, yeah, and it was just a different, you know, it was a different, again, it's a mindset. It's, a, it's an identity. And, you know, I had this conversation with Matt Rule this year, the, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and said, listen, our problem really running the ball is – is we don't have an identity. And he goes, one thing I've learned in this, you know, being a head coach now in the NFL from the college game is if you have to scheme your running game every day or every week, you don't have a running game. You don't. Mm-hmm. And I knew in second down, I knew second down and one or second down and two. I, I didn't even have to listen. I knew what play was coming. I knew what we're coming run 18, 19 handoff, yeah. 18, 19 handoff week, 18, 19 handoff, you know, uh, force, uh, 18, 19. Still call strong. It that guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, same terminology. And, and we're like, that's what we're running. And there is no, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so you just knew what was coming in the huddle and you set your jaw and, and, you know, I always joke around. We were like, uh, we were like, uh, the, the movie, uh, oh shoot, uh, white Goodman from uh, dodgeball, you know, our, our thing, we broke the huddle. We say we're better than you and we know it. Yeah. And wow. that's when we're, we're just going to crumb it down, run it down your throat. Mm, well, now you, you guys are one of the rare teams to repeat as a Super Bowl champions. The Denver Broncos have beaten the Atlanta Falcons 34 to 19, and they are world champions once again. The sixth franchise in NFL history to win back-to-back Super Bowls. You guys obviously had a great quarterback in John Elway, all of those things, man. But can can you guys talk about the pressure with, 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 with that, that comes with repeating? You know what I mean? I think we just seen the Kansas City Chiefs try to do it. Um, they made it yeah. there, didn't quite get it done. Mm. But just talk about you guys' journey and then transition into how rare it is that you guys done that, you know, did that in the first place. Mark, I'll start this one off with you. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, we always felt like, I think one of the things, we lost that game in, in 1996 at Jacksonville, and we were livid. Yep. Um, yep. I think TD had 12 carries, averaged about seven yards a carry, and just livid. Um, you know, we get mad at coaches, right? Like, this is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, he, 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 no, these stu- yeah, these stupid coaches. Like, what do they know, right? <laughs> but anyhow, we were livid about that, and it was so painful that for two years, we taught – we have a bad practice. We go, hey, man, we don't want to repeat this Jackson. We don't ever want to feel that way again. So you, um, you, 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 y'all were saying that at practice? Oh, oh yeah. shoot. 
all yeah. the time. Like I'm anytime. still mad about that game. I'm still exactly. mad about that game. Okay, Abs- I have not absolutely. gotten over that one yet. Yeah, that was the that was the catalytic event that led us to back to back world champions, and, and and it was one of those things that we talked about all the time. As a matter of fact, the next year Jacksonville came back into Denver for a playoff oh, game. Oh. We rushed for over 300 yards oh. on their asses. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On it. I mean, we were rolling. We were rolling. TD came out with 200. Uh, and then uh, Von Hebron had a hundred. Derek Lavelle had a hundred. Yeah. We were just like you. It was like an Oprah show. You get a hundred. You get a hundred. You get a hundred. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Steve. He's yeah. right about that, man. Because really, it, it was that. And thank God, because I'm always talking to people who say, man, if you guys had, you know, went to the Super Bowl in 96, you guys may have repeated. And I say, I don't think so. And I'm going to say, let me tell you why. I think the Jacksonville game was a great, it, it tuned us up. It was a great, I mean, it just, it really calibrated our, our mentality differently than had we gone through without mm-hmm. losing that game. And so Stinker's right. I sat on the bench after we lost that game. Shannon Sharp and myself sat on that bench. Everybody had cleared the field. They went to the locker room. We sat on that field. I cannot believe the shock in my mind. And my, I was, I, I stared at the scoreboard. I cannot believe what it was reading. I was reading it saying Jacksonville, more points than Denver. <laughs> and the hurt and pain that I felt that day. And it wasn't just me. It was everybody like, well, I just think talked about. But that game was it. That was the one that, that got us back at the training camp. And every time we were in training camp, we had a bad practice, bad whatever. The reminder was Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Yeah. So mm. year one was easy, M. Rob, in terms of going through that whole year. We had a few uh, games like we went through uh, the playoffs. We had to go to Kansas City. We had to go play Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. And those teams had beaten us in the regular season. And, uh, you know, we played Jacksonville first, smacked them. Went back to – it was a kind of a revenge tour. Went back to Kansas City, beat them, went to Pittsburgh, won the AFC title game, and then we played the Packers. The best thing that could have happened to us was the fact that we were double-digit underdogs in that game, that everybody was picking the Green Bay Packers. And it reminded me a little bit of this year's game with Tampa Bay <laughs> and, and the Chiefs. You know, and so we had nothing to lose. We knew, though, that we were built like an NFC team. We knew it. You know, everybody was saying AFC. Like, no, we all we are run – Team, our defense—they played ball in the playoffs. They were balling in the playoffs, and they—they they had some good plays in the, in the uh, regular season as well. So after we won that game and beat the Packers, year two, remember we went thirteen and zero out the gate in year two. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's we true. were fighting, but we were playing everybody's best, and it—it it was exhausting, man. Playing Cincinnati and and, <laughs> and struggling, <laughs> and you know coming back fourteen points down in the fourth quarter, having to beat you know, beat them and playing the Chiefs. So. It does wear on you because people are taking shots at you. But then when we lost to the Giants in week 13 or 14, that was the best thing that could happen to us, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just because it allowed us to get the whole undefeated thing off our plate. It allowed us to go back and work on the things that we had kind of skipped over. You know, you, you know, you win so many things. You know, you win all the time. It's hard to go back and, and say, hey, we need to work on this because you don't practice on – on Monday, you Monday's off. See you on Wednesday. You ain't got time to go back to that game. Everything else is the week that you're about to play. So losing that game to me was was uh, not that we wanted to lose, but listen, it was it was yeah. kind of a blessing in disguise. I think our focus was such during that time. Like people people marvel at this. One of the things we did, we always had great game plans. 
Um, in that particular Super Bowl and Super Bowl 32, we got into like in a, a two back situation, like um, strong right. And we ended up getting a slot a bunch. And what ended up happening in slot, a weak side linebacker would get, you know, I would just call it a hip or you know, two by two, just get outside. Yeah. And Leroy Butler would, they would actually exchange. So he would take away the, you know, the slant routes and everything else. Uh-huh. And Butler would come flying down and, and, and yeah, an insert. And, and so Shanahan put up this film, like, this is why we're going to gut him. Yep. And it was like, it was a hundred percent of the time. And he is made, I mean, he's just having tackling practice because everybody is scooping the backside of that look <laughs> yeah. and, and running to, you know, it was right Brian through. Williams. He's yeah. running and Brian Williams is covering the slot receiver, right? Yeah. Like, and so you're blocking, you're, you're blocking Johnny Bierre. And so we just ended up scooping and just give, I mean, Leroy Butler was just getting a mouthful of Rydell. He didn't know where it was coming from, right? Just one after the other. And TV is cutting it back, cutting it back. But our focus was such during those two years, and people always marvel at this. I didn't even know TD was out of the game with a migraine. I had no clue. I mean, just like you call the play, we're going to run it. It doesn't matter who's back there. And, you know, they, the, the backs rotate occasionally, but I didn't realize we, I, we didn't realize until we came in at halftime that TD had been out with a migraine. Really? Yeah. yeah. We didn't even know. I mean, we we're just like, our focus was so singular on what we were doing, the way we played the game, but he's TD's hundred percent right about the following year and trying to, to repeat and trying to do that. Um, it, it is, it's wear and tear. And it's funny. We, I always say it, hey, we got Glenn Cadrez. So we get to week 13 and everybody is like, everybody is quiet. Everybody is, you know, the standard, the company line, right. You know, there's no, it's just talking cliche football and one game at a time, this, that, and the other, this, that, and the other. And we're sitting in, well, TD didn't hear this cause he was sleeping in the training room, but <laughs> I, was. I was sitting, I was sitting in the locker room. It was like Thursday. And you know how, when you're winning, Brian, you, you've been there. Um, and Rob, you've been there when you're winning, like your, your locker, the media gets bigger every week. It's yep. bigger and bigger. It's like a, it's like a tumor it just keeps growing. <laughs> and so it's week 13, we're 13 and 0, and everybody in their brothers, uncles in the locker room. Right. And all of a sudden Glenn Cadrez, who was a backup linebacker for us, great guy. One of the funniest dudes you'll ever be around. Glenn Cadrez just breaks. He just breaks down. He goes, hell yeah, we're thinking about it. Yeah, we're thinking about going undefeated. Yeah, we've been talking about it. And we're all like, you can't say say that. So I always warn people not to get Cadrez because uh, it'll it'll screw you. There's no question. I got, I got to ask TD, I got to ask you this, because we've all seen the NFL films and that, that Super Bowl where on the goal line, they want to play action, but, and, and Mike turns to you and you have these migraines. I mean, my, and everybody's had a migraine. No, this is a, you know, you can't see. And he's going, you got to go in. Cause if you don't fake it to you, they're not going to buy the fake. <laughs> There's going to be a part of you going, hell no, I'm not going. What are you talking about? You want to give me the ball? I'll think about it, but I'm not going in to fake it. Yeah. It's, it's, because of the stage, I was willing to do whatever it took. Yeah. But I just wanted to make sure that I let him know I cannot see. Yeah, okay. So, so don't give me so don't give me the ball. <laughs> so and there was a play where we had just changed fields from first quarter, second quarter, and we were on the goal line. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, man, I can't see and I I don't want to screw this up. So let me just tell Mike and whatever. So when I told Mike, 
he didn't, I mean, number one, he didn't show any compassion. It was like, hey, it's okay. It's okay. You don't need to see. Right. Coach, man, in the moment. But, 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 yeah, but if you're not in there, they, they won't believe we're going to run. You don't worry about seeing on this place because we're going to fake it to you the 15 lead. But if you're not in there, they won't believe we're going to run. Okay. So that's all I needed to hear. I said, okay, cool. So I went in and, you know, fortunately, I ran a fake and, and John faked it and ran out and obviously scored a touchdown on that bootleg. Play fake, Elway rolls right. He can run it in. John, it will trot into the end zone. Touchdown. But after that play, I I, gone, I went to the locker room. I was I was out the entire second quarter. That was the first play of the second quarter. I, I did not see the second quarter. I was in the locker Yes, think I was in the locker room sleeping this time. <laughs> yeah. I, my I got to get this straight. Your, your starting offensive lineman doesn't care if you have a broken arm. He wants you in there for the 2,000 yards. <laughs> And your head coach doesn't care that you're blind. <laughs> That's a hell of a relationship. Hey, man, they got they got greatness out of you guys. Hey. I, I got to ask this. And, and Mark, I, I guess I'll start this one off with you um, as we're finishing up. John Elway, man, the general. Like, you know, just talk about his role and all of the success that you guys have had. What was he like as a teammate? Um, and then on the back end of your answer, tell me what you think he's like as an executive. Well, I think... Yeah, like as a teammate, man, he was great because he was just going to lay it on the line. And and yeah. thing about John is John would never bitch at you. John, he could get him hit. Like he he would ne- he wouldn't say boo about that. The only time John ever raised his mouth is when we got to play in late and we got to get up the huddle, we got to get up to the line of scrimmage and snap the ball. And he got to run. And then yeah. and then he'd be like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. But beyond that, I, I just think from a confidence standpoint is the thing that always resonated with me. We could be down 14. We were to, you, you mentioned the Kansas City game. We're down by like 14 in the first quarter at home. Week, I think it was week 12. And he walks in the huddle and it's almost like, yeah, we, no big deal. Like we got him right where we want him. We're down by 14. This is perfect. Like we've been here before. <laughs> and there was just this confidence about, about the Duke when he made it, you know, he made a call. And, you know, and his big thing too at that point in his career where he had drug teams around, you know, and, and led them to Super Bowls and stuff, he, he was at this point in his career where he'd be like, hey, man, tell you what, here's the deal. You guys take care of first and second down. Allow me to do what I do on third down, and we're going to be okay. Like, and there was just a confidence about, you know, there was just a confidence about that. Um, you know, so I think that part was, I think that part was tremendous. Um, you know, I mean, the, the Broncos have struggled here the last five years and it's obviously a tough job, but, um, you know, the, I think the, the, just the draft and the overall, uh, free agent market has not been, has not been kind to Denver the last five years, which is, which is hard. You know, it's hard for all of us. We get emotional because, you know, the, the Broncos and Mr. Bowen means so much to all of us. And, you know, uh, just a quick Mr. Bowen story. Like we used to have this offensive line coach, assistant offensive line coach named Barney Chavis and Barney Chavis's door, uh, his, his office door was in the weight room. That's where he, he would office. And, um, one afternoon, one day before we go out to practice, his door is shut. So I know he's sleeping in there. Right. <laughs> so I get a stack of pennies. I don't know if you've ever pennied somebody into a room. So if you take a stack of pennies and, and put them yes, like this, okay. So you take a stack of change, doorway, you, uh-huh. you put it like this, you push the top of the doorway open, shove that stack of pennies in there and just jam it all the way down the handle and the, and the doorknob lock up against the door frame and you cannot open it from the inside. <laughs> You're uh-huh. stuck unless I pull the pennies out. So I penny them in the room 
And then I call Mr. Bolin and I said, and this is right before practice. I go, Hey, Mr. Bolin, Mr. B, I stink. I'm in the weight room. I go, call Barney right now. Call Barney. I've got him pinned in his office. He's sleeping and tell him you need to see him in your office immediately. And he goes, okay, okay. And he can't wait to hang up. Mr. Bowen's like, okay, can you get off the phone? Get off the phone. So he hangs up and all of a sudden you hear the phone ring. And we're all like sitting around like with our ears up against the door, right? And sure enough, oh, yes, sir, Mr. Bowen. Right away, Mr. Bowen. And then he can't get out of his office. And he's like, you mother effers. And sure enough, I mean, he's screaming bloody murder from his office. And, Mr. and all of a sudden, Mr. Bowen comes running down the stairs, and, he's in the, and he thinks it's the funniest thing that he's ever witnessed in his entire life. And so we just had this, this great relationship, and I probably sometimes take it personally because I, I want to see the Broncos, you know, have success, and, and it means a lot to me, and I think I, it means a lot to all of us. So it's been tough the last five years. Yeah, it's been tough. I mean, you know, obviously – it's not, it's not for lack of trying. Elway did bring in Peyton Manning. He won a Super right. Bowl. And, you know, a lot of times that, that affords you some leeway. But when you're, when you're at a franchise that is accustomed to winning football, uh, the expectations are there. And I believe John Elway understands that. You know, they were never picking high. I think one year they had, you know, top five pick. Mm-hmm. And that's when they got Bradley Chubb. They, didn't, they could have got probably Josh Allen at the time. And that's what people always criticize John for is the lack of bringing in quarterbacks. But for the most part, Denver's always picking either somewhere late first round or, or mm-hmm. you know, middle. And you're really not finding, you know, first round talent there when it comes to quarterback. So I, I'm not, I'm not as hard on, on Elway as, as a lot of people are, but again, you know, he did have, he had success. He won the Super Bowl as a GM. Um, so, you know, hopefully this role he's playing now is kind of stepping back and, and kind of allowing, um, you know, George Payton to come in there and, and be the GM would, would allow this team to kind of have a different, you know, perspective, kind of have where he's not trying to wear two hats. And a lot of times mm-hmm. that, that, that works there. But as far as the teammate, Elway was, man, he was just like all the guys, man. He, he was one of the fellas. He was one of the fellas. Like his, his perception, the perception of Elway and the reality is that this dude was one of us. Mm-hmm. But he also had this unique ability to get the most out of you without saying a word. And to me, playing on the field, I remember when I first came in as a rookie, my first handoff, because my rookie year, I did not take a snap from John Elway the entire preseason. Elway was not in my – I was sixth, seventh on the depth chart. But, yeah, you so know those snaps. Yeah. yeah, I'm not getting reps <laughs> from Elway. So, it, so the first week where Mike brings me and says, hey, you're the starting running back, I go out to practice that day, and the first play I get the ball, it's a, it's a, a 19 handoff to the left. Elway comes back, giving me the ball – I put the ball, put try to get, get the ball in the pocket. I fumble the football. Oh, I pick it up and we have to finish the run. So I, I finish, I run the ball down there. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me <laughs> because I think I'm letting him down. As I'm jogging back, I see John talking to um, Gary Kubiak, offensive coordinator at the time. And then John walks back to the huddle. Kook says, uh, come here. And I'm like, oh, shoot, what did I do now? <laughs> he up. said, uh, John said, you need to give him a bigger pocket. <laughs> he didn't talk to me. He didn't talk Hold to up. me. Hold John didn't say it to you? <laughs> he said, uh, John said, you have to give him a bigger pocket. <laughs> I mean, that's like the Don. You know, you, yeah. you, know, you, you can't talk to me. 
That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah he's awesome. good dude, man. I tell you what, he he ran with us as a team. He worked yeah. out with us as a team. But we were doing this heavy leg press one day. Rich Toot was leaning on this leg press machine. It was just miserable. Everybody hated it. And John John Elway got in there and he said to him, he looked at him square in the eye and goes, you realize if I declined to do this, I'm still going to make the team, right? That's gangster right there. Hey, guys, man, I can't thank you guys. Uh, and I can't thank you guys for coming through the podcast and, and keeping it real with us, man. Y'all kept it real. Yeah. You can tell you guys definitely are great teammates. TD, Mark, thank you so much for dropping by. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Total Access to Locker Room. For more insight with the Locker Room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.